People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowlin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowlin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. We have made it to Bora Bora. Can I tell you the best fact about this episode that I just looked up and saw? Yeah. This episode aired, the first part of it. So we're doing episodes 10 and 11. Episode 12 is the last part of Bora Bora, which we'll get to next week. But episode 10 aired August 21st, 2011. Kim and Chris's wedding was August 20th, 2011. So this start of Bora Bora aired the day after they got married. Oh my God. It is so crazy because I was going to tell you this more than any other episode leading up to it is the one where I am the most fundamentally, thoroughly, deeply confused as to how these two people were ever married, whether it was for 72 days or a lifetime. You know what I can't believe? That Chris, the meddlesome Chris that for six seasons now in our recap, we have been talking about and saying, you know, she's just got to stop sticking her nose where it doesn't belong sometimes. And she's got to learn when to just let things happen. That same Chris didn't step in and go, okay, no, this isn't happening. <laughs> no. And by the way, you know, to Courtney and Chloe's credit, they were, yes, maybe a little bit overly critical at first, but they, I think we're looking at this a little bit more realistically. I actually forgot how bad it was. This episode really brought it back for me. And I have to say, Em, I cannot wait to get into it because not to be dramatic, but is this the best episode of television that's ever aired? No, I kind of think it was. I mean, that diamond earring scene, it is the type of thing where you watch it and it hits every single time. It is not overhyped. We didn't remember it to be greater than it was. I watched that and was like, holy shit, this is better than I remembered. It's an incomparable wave of nostalgia. But you know what else it is with with the diamond earring scene is that I think that scene has become so popular and such a prevalent part of pop culture that we forget about the rest of the episode. Like the rest of the episode and their entire time in Bora Bora is equally as good, if not better, than that one standalone scene. Yeah. And also the other thing about that scene, which we will get into in episode 11, I know we have the entire episode 10 first, part of Kim's whole you know, hysteria in the moment isn't just her upset about the diamond earring. She also doesn't want to cry in front of Chris because they haven't known each other long enough and he's never seen her cry and she thinks she's such an ugly crier. 
it's it's, like it's too it's too good because you go from this point that kim is making about not wanting chris to see her cry because they've never done that in front of each other and she's never cried in front of him to the preview for next week's bora bora episode being chris asking caitlin permission to marry kim like how did we get here so quickly and by the way forget about okay this is such a huge point of conversation that we're gonna have to get into all of our conversations have been about like Okay, what did Kim see in Chris that allowed? Yes, him to get I knew you were gonna say this. What the fuck did Chris see in Kim? <laughs> like, why did he do this? Why is she I, bearing all the blame? He didn't like her either. I am so happy you just said that. When you geared it up, I was hoping that's where you would go with this. Because I, I mean, I just watched this what an hour ago. Like, we literally have not discussed it. That was my biggest takeaway. As much as you know, we're watching it, and we are so just confused as to her attraction to him—not physically, everything other than that. I'm confused from his perspective as well. Like, not only was their family not even remotely welcoming to him, but they are so different. All of the things that are like really deeply rooted parts of her personality are things that he cannot get on board with. Here's how I would explain the relationship from each of their individual points of view. Kim was looking at a six foot, what, five basketball player who was incredibly handsome, very family oriented. Yes, a little annoying, but like nothing that she didn't think she could get past, but like somebody who seemingly really loved her and and was looking out for her and, and brought out a side of her that she maybe didn't know she had. From his point of view, he's dating a incredibly famous woman who he fundamentally disagrees on every single thing with, thinks that she is too vanity conscious, hates when she wears makeup, hates how materialistic she is, hates the reality show element of it. Like, I'm sorry, I understand Kim's point of view in this a million times over. I cannot for the life of me understand other than a physical attraction what Chris Humphreys was getting out of this because he does not like anything about her. He, but here's the thing. He didn't know any of these things about her. Half of the things that he discovered he wasn't a fan of, he only discovered on this family vacation. Listen, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here because let's get into episode 10, but episode 11, really, I mean, there is a lot here. And also this is when the episode shifts from being 22 minutes to 44 minutes. So we're basically getting two episodes in one because we had been used to the quick, you know, 20 minuters. Right. So episode 10 is a 30-minute episode without commercials, 22 minutes. And then parts one and two where they're actually in Bora Bora, episode 11 and 12, those are each 44 minutes or an hour-long episodes. Yeah. So we're now getting into the stage of Kardashians when there's like a lot to analyze. Nothing could be better. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 
30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so episode 10 is really the introduction to all of this when Caitlin surprises the family that for her and Chris's 20-year anniversary, they're all going to Bora Bora. And there's a lot to analyze even just in this 20-minute episode because one, we have Chris is you know, really struggling with her body image and feeling very self-conscious about being there in a bathing suit, not necessarily in front of the family, but more so the idea that this content will now be going out to the world. And we're starting to see their heightened awareness of that and their relationship to the public in that capacity. Second, Scott and Rob's relationship and kind of some of the struggles there. Third, Chris Humphreys being introduced to the family in a more formal way. But lastly, you know, Chloe's not able to come because of Lamar. She doesn't want to leave him. She doesn't want to be there alone. And you see Courtney really feels like her partner in crime is leaving her. And just to watch how Courtney's even considering not going if Chloe's not going to be there, part of it because she doesn't want to be around Chris Humphreys without Chloe. I have so much to say. I'm I'm actually overwhelmed. (laughs) The first thing I want to start with, though, is that there is a very big jump in terms of the perception of Chris Humphreys where, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about the fact that Chloe was clearly not on board. There was something that was preventing her from wanting to really get to know Chris any further. She was kind of blaming it on the fact of like, oh, I always get too close to Kim's boyfriends and then I end up getting hurt and like, I I just don't want to go there again. And you and I were having this discussion of like, it's more than that. Like she does not like Chris Humphreys. She doesn't want to come out and say it. And so she's kind of hiding behind this rationale. So from that episode to where we are now, we don't really see a lot of the way Chloe or the rest of the family feels about Chris Humphreys. We see a couple of scenes with Kim and Chris. We see him mentioned a couple of times. Kim brings him up, obviously, as like a very present figure in her life, brings him up in the sense of like she's really falling in love with him. But the opinions of the rest of the family aren't brought up again until this episode. And so we cut from Chloe being like, oh, I don't really want to get to know him to Chloe cutting the bullshit and being like, yeah, Chris Humphreys is a douchebag. Yeah. It was a rather quick progression because she was kind of dancing around it for a moment there. The thing that I always say to myself is think about how much tension there was on this trip and Chloe wasn't even there. 
like Chloe, the person that probably had the biggest issue with Chris wasn't even present for the rest of the situation where if she was, I am telling you as good of episodes of TV as these were, they would have been even better. There's a part of me that thinks that if Chloe was there, it would have gotten so contentious between her and Chris and then Chloe and Kim as a result that I'm not saying the wedding wouldn't have happened, but there may have been a greater delay in that than there actually was. But also, I want to talk about the fact that Chloe wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, the reason that Chloe cites for not being there is because Lamar couldn't go and she doesn't want to go without him. She feels like it would kind of be a couple's trip and then she's just there solo, which is it possible that that's the reason? Totally. Is it also possible that knowing what we know now, she maybe didn't trust leaving him alone? Absolutely. You know, it's not a thought process I had at the time, but of course, watching this with all the information we have, it certainly could have been a factor. I just feel like there's so much that was happening on our screens that may as well save that conversation for another time. Yeah, I think so too, especially because there's going to be a lot of Chloe conversations to have in that regard. You know what I was thinking about in this, which in the scheme of these two episodes is one of the least significant scenes, but it does factor into one of the main plot lines, which as I mentioned earlier is, you know, Chris just feeling really insecure, not feeling great about herself and struggling with wanting to go on the trip because of that. In the lead up, we see her going to Dr. Garth Fisher, who is a very famous plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills and also a family friend. And, you know, you kind of see her going through some potential procedures. Of course, as he tells her in the consultation, there's no way that she would be able to recover in time if she were to do these procedures. But I was thinking, I feel like in 2023, they're not doing any of these plastic surgery consultations on the show. I have to say that scene was almost like an SNL skit. Here you have a very insecure Kris Jenner coming into a plastic surgeon's office with like two things in mind that she would like to fix that she thinks would make herself feel better. So the first one is she wants her boobs done. She has implants in, I think she says. She kind of wants them taken out, maybe resized, and then a lift, and then also says about her neck. Two things, whatever. So you have a very insecure Chris sitting down in a chair with two specific things in mind. And then the plastic surgeon says before she's about to leave on a trip for a week that she is not feeling good about, here is everything else that you need done. Like, here's what I would do to your face. Here's what I would do to your neck. Here's what I would do to everything. And she's like, great. I walked in feeling insecure about two specific things. And now I walked out with a whole new laundry list of things. (laughs) No, that is why they always say, Do not go to a plastic surgeon for a consultation unless you are fully prepared to hear the full extent of what they have to say, because you may go in with one certain thing in mind and they will not hold back in telling you what they think could be done. And it's not even just a financial thing. Like, of course, the more procedures, the more money, but that's also just the way that their minds and eyes have been trained to work. You know, like they look at you and they're thinking how they could sculpt you to be what they view the the absolute best result. So like it can be a very jarring experience going in thinking you're just talking about one or two things and all of a sudden they're like, well, now that she asked. Yeah, like no wonder Chris's insecurity carried throughout the entire trip. Like she really, (laughs) I, I felt so bad in that moment. I was like, this is the last thing she needs before she leaves. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, it's like, obviously Chris knows that there is no world in which she could do any of these procedures, even the smaller ones and be ready in time for Bora Bora. But this was a great scene to film for the reality show. So in the process of filming this scene, just for the purpose of like rounding out this episode, she leaves feeling so much worse about herself than walking in. Like she was really doing it for the content there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, like exactly. Wow, that was that was a tragic scene. I I and and here's the other thing. Like I Chris looked fucking amazing. That's like Chris, the thing. During this time, like obviously now the Chris we know is a I would say a more refined version of the Chris back then. Like she has really grown to become so sophisticated with her wealth, I feel like is a way to describe it. But at this time, like I thought she was so beautiful. Yeah, I did too. I still do. I would say a really unintended byproduct of watching this episode is that seeing how critical she was of herself and comparing that to the way that I was viewing her is actually slightly comforting in terms of the conversation of like, we are our own harshest critics because she is clearly her own harshest critic. I'm sitting there being like, you are killing it. Like I would so love to look like you at your age yet. I mean, she looks in the mirror and is picking herself apart. So it does go to show you no one is as hard on us as we are on ourselves. Absolutely. Also, just one last thing on the Garth Fisher of it all. Clearly, she was not that traumatized from this consultation because not only are they still good family friends with him, but he is the surgeon that removed that thing off of Chloe's face. Remember, like a few months ago, she was wearing that Band-Aid. He's not who she went to for her nose job, but they do go to him currently for other things. I wish I had an Excel sheet of every single doctor they use or have used. You know what I would want? I would want a list that was half doctors, half like any vendor for a party. Yes. And then the other category, which is not necessarily doctors, but facialists, masseuses, you know, those people that come and do those currents on their face, all of those side things that aren't necessarily medical, but fall under the general aesthetics category. That's, I have to say, like, to me, that is the information I am so much more interested in because I think that people think that the amount of plastic surgery, like surgical procedures that they have gotten done is far more vast than it actually is, where the stuff that they're really pouring their money and time into are all of these laser procedures and all of these med spa procedures. That's the information that I'm looking for, exactly what they're getting done at those places. Because I think people think like, oh my God, I would do anything for a list of all of their surgeries, all of the procedures they've gotten done. I don't think that list is as vast as you think it is. Well, I just think it's a lot of technically, quote, non-invasive things. Right. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. 
Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, so they're all gearing up for this trip. Everyone, with the exception of Chloe, arrives at LAX. They board the plane together. I see you didn't write this down, so maybe you weren't as shook by this as I was, but when Kim and Chris, Chris Humphreys, are sitting next to one another and they're filming themselves on, I guess, a camera because it wasn't an iPhone, and they're like looking into the camera together, kissing. She's telling him what angle to put it at. I was so taken aback. I was like, who is this? Like, I can't, it's funny because it's so the same version of Kim. Like if she was, you know, with her, let's say boyfriend of next year and they were on Kim Air going to Tahiti, she totally would film it as well, whether it was for her Instagram story or just to have, like we know that she likes to really document those moments and she would probably be acting in the same way that she was with Chris, like a little babyish, you know, very almost damsel in distress vibes, which I think can be Kim in a relationship. Like she likes to almost take on that personality. But like it being him was just, I, I can't explain what I was feeling. Like I need someone else to confirm that they watched this and felt the same way. I think I didn't write it down for two reasons, maybe three. I don't really know what was happening during watching this. I was like, I, I think it was out of body <laughs> experience altogether. I know one of the reasons is because I was so focused on Scott and Mason because we haven't seen them interacting in a while. And Mason was like growing up and being a real person and talking and like having this very adorable relationship with Scott, which obviously was taking my attention away, like entirely from what was happening Two, I think that watching Kim and Chris interacting together was so unnatural for me to see that I didn't know how to put it into words. And also, I think I just didn't write it down. He was like, oh, duh, we're going to talk about this for 45 minutes and try and analyze <laughs> it and figure out what we were feeling together. No, like I need to discuss it. I very much understand why you couldn't put it into words because it is, it's an out-of-body experience. What are we watching? Why is Kim Kardashian in her striped maxi dress filming herself on a first-class flight with Chris Humphreys? Like, What? You know what it was that was so interesting to me? Like, I totally agree with what you were saying in the sense of like a lot of the way that she was acting in terms of how she acts in a relationship was not necessarily Chris Humphrey specific. I think that a lot of what you were describing is how Kim has acted in relationships in the past. I think it's a lot of how Kim will and has acted in relationships after Chris Humphreys. My question is more so with the things that she was describing that she loves about you know, the aspects of her personality that Chris Humphreys brings out. What came first here, the chicken or the egg? Was like, like, is this a situation where Kim thought she wanted to be all of these things and Chris Humphreys brought that out of her and that's why she thought she liked him so much? Or was this a thing where she met Chris Humphreys and then kind of convinced herself that all of these aspects 
of his personality that made her personality different than, you know, how it typically would be were then things that she learned to love. Like what the chicken or the egg thing here is what's confusing me. I think it's a little bit of both because on one hand, it really does play to the point we constantly make while watching these old episodes, which is like Kim couldn't stand as firmly in her truth because there were still aspects of it that she felt she maybe needed to change to be, let's say, the most successful version of herself. And that's not the case. Like here, what was being perceived as almost a negative of her being overly vanity conscious. No, current day Kim is going to say, fuck that. I am very vain and I'm going to turn that into a billion dollar beauty business. So I think part of it was her not feeling like she could be the best version of herself if she was really just owning all of what was considered her quote shit. But secondly, she just wanted to make it work with him so badly that I think in order to reorient the things of him that she was annoyed by, she had to turn that into things that maybe she deemed to be lovable. And then the third element, which is, you know, if someone is telling you 10 times a day that you're too vanity conscious and you need to stop being worried about makeup and it's taking away from who you really could be. Maybe at a certain point, you're going to believe it. You know, like so many of his personality traits, she was kind of embracing, maybe even to a fault, whereas he wasn't embracing any of it. Like he stood very firm in being, I don't like this in a person and he didn't budge on that. You know, it's what it like almost made her have to rethink some of the aspects of herself that maybe she was comfortable with, but he made them out to be such negatives. It is such a good point how he never took on any of her things. It's not like it was this shared experience where she was like, you know what? I love that he brings out these aspects of me that I wasn't in touch with before. Like, for example, she says, I love that Chris reminds me that not everything is so serious, which by the way, I think that's a positive thing. Like, I think that's a good takeaway. Like, you're right. Not everything is so serious. Kim was very serious at this point in terms of having a one track mind in terms of career and what she wanted to get done. And here came Chris Humphreys that reminded her like it was okay to let loose a little sometimes. But it's not like Chris Humphreys was walking away going like, you know, it's so beautiful being on this vacation in Bora Bora. It is so nice to be in this luxury villa. Like, you know, this is the the kind of energy that I need to channel a little bit more into my life. Like Kim reminds me of like, it's okay to want things like this. It's okay to like find a lot of happiness and excitement in, in these luxurious experiences. Like all this episode was, was Chris being invited on this insane, beautiful trip and then critiquing not only everything about Kim, but everything about the family and the way they all live their lives. Right. Which like to really just think about this fully for a second, I can understand an argument being made for at this point in their lives when, you know, they're about to reach that next tier of wealth. They were already wealthy, but what they're entering is a whole different amount of money. And it's easy to maybe be swept away in luxury and the extravagance of things. And maybe it could be helpful to have what could be considered a quote, grounding presence and someone that reminds them that material goods aren't the end all be all. However, if you really want to break it down, there is no world in which Kim specifically, forget about any of the rest of them, that Kim specifically could be with someone that didn't value material goods and luxury and extravagance in the way that she did. It just wasn't going to work. Some could call it, you know, yeah, but it's the yin to her yang. With Kim specifically and the way that that person then integrates into the family, it can't be. You know, it, it could be someone that maybe isn't at her level, but not someone that judges it. So that's thing number one, totally. But I think honestly, the bigger point here is just about Kim and what we were saying earlier with her feeling like she couldn't lean into herself, even the way she reacted to the room, which I want to get into. Like, yeah, are there things that maybe could be altered? Totally. But 
Kim's greatest strength or one of her greatest strengths current day is that she saw the way she was able to capitalize on just being herself and how she doesn't need to change that. And if she stayed with Chris, it's possible she would have never achieved the success that she achieved because there was a person that was chipping away at the things that make her her. You know, it's really interesting because there is so much about her going from Chris Humphreys to Kanye that like feels like such an extreme overcorrection. Like here was somebody who appreciated her and her lifestyle and everything about the life she was living in a way that there may not be somebody again who gets Kim in the way that Kanye did in the first couple of years of their relationship. However, I'm realizing now as we're talking about Chris, like there are these similarities between Chris and Kanye. And I would say namely the boldness of both of them. Like one of the things I could not get over with Chris in this episode was just the extreme lack of a filter. Like he said anything to anybody that popped into his head. Like there were things that he was saying to Courtney and Scott, A, as if they were all buddy, buddy and all best friends. And, you know, you know, they just understood Chris and understood his sense of humor and would never be offended by anything he said. But like, things like about their sex life and about how boring they are that was like so deeply inappropriate. But, you know, that aspect of not having a filter and kind of saying the first thing that pops into mind without like regard of how the other person's going to react is very Kanye. No, it is true, even though they are so different. I think that that is a really important similarity to hone in on because part of the reason I think Kim was drawn to that, and I, I say drawn in the past tense because I don't believe that that is currently what she would be pursuing. It's definitely not a quality that P. Davidson has, at least in that same way, is because I think Kim felt for a lot of years that her people-pleasing tendencies were kind of exhausting to her. You know, she she maybe enjoyed that part of herself to a certain extent because it allowed her to get along with people and she wasn't really rocking the boat. But it was a part of her that I think she wanted to not necessarily change, but maybe adjust a little. She wanted to feel comfortable being a little bit bolder. And I think part of what she was doing here with Chris, with Kanye, was going for these men that did it to an extent that she was so uncomfortable by, yet was forcing herself to almost, you know, go on board with it to maybe rub off on her a little bit. And I think what she's realized in the last few years, which like I know this is a ridiculously bold claim to say, like, like a realization to to think someone had for not even knowing them. But I do think that she's realizing, you know, she can take aspects of that without being with a person that puts her just like inherently outside of her comfort zone constantly. You know, like she can pick and choose aspects from these people that presented a little bit more of a bold way that she actually finds maybe could be beneficial to her life without having that be her partner. Yes. Yes. And it's like, you almost want to shake her and say that to her. And what else is interesting in terms of comparison, actually, I think to all of Kim's relationships is that I think that Kim gets a little blinded by being treated like a princess. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that if you were to ask Kim, especially at this time, that was like the number one thing that she was looking for. And that translated to Kanye as well. Like this idea of Chris Humphreys being so obsessed with her, can't believe she's real, treats her like a princess, treats her the way like a man should treat a woman on paper, not in terms of what he says, just in terms of like how she perceives him to be to her. Because there's that scene in the first um, part of this episode where she introduces Chris for the first time to Lauren. And when Chloe makes that comment about like Chris Humphreys is a douchebag, Chloe says it to Lauren 
after Lauren had met Chris and Lauren's so taken aback. She's like, oh my God, are you kidding? He loves her. He adores her. He treats her like a princess. And I think that that's what he puts out on very first glance. And I think that that's what Kim took from him at very first glance also and really, really ran with that. Well, totally. But that that plays into like the hopeless romantic thing she had going on. You know, like yes. so much of it, you know, they say, I feel like we somehow bring this concept up in like every episode, like the idea that a person has a story and they're so used to this being the story that at times they're just going through the motions because they think that that's what they are like or should be like. Not to say that Kim isn't truly a hopeless romantic. I think that she is. But some of her viewing herself in that way, I think made her maybe be more drawn to this behavior than she actually was. Right. And and that's what happens with Kanye too, though, is like the story of it. And, you know, by the way, like we were all, I don't think Chris Humphreys had us fooled for even a second. I remember what it was like watching this episode very vividly, like maybe this one more than any other one. And thinking even as like a young teenager, like I don't even know how old I was here watching this, 14, 15 really watching this and being so disgustingly turned off by the way that Chris Humphreys was acting and literally picturing myself in my 20s, bringing home a guy to my family and like praying that this is not how it would go down. But the thing with Kanye is that like in the beginning, the way that he treated Kim as if like he couldn't believe she was real and like the story of him loving her and loving her and chasing after her and writing songs about her and like before she would even, you know, consider him a romantic sense. Like we all fell for that story. Oh, totally. Although the way that I current day view Kanye and their relationship and kind of just the disgust that I feel for him, it doesn't make me question why we were so as the public, or at least myself as a fan taken by his initial display of affection towards Kim. Like I think if I were to rewatch that whole thing now, not knowing what I know now, but at let's say 28 years old, if they were first now dating and he did all of that, I think I would still be taken by it because it was ridiculously romantic and grand. And you also had the whole narrative in your head that like he loved her for years before she even knew it. And I, I don't think that we are wrong or were wrong for being taken by that in the beginning. But I need to go back for a second to the Chris thing. Everything that we just set aside, like a million percent so confused by this relationship, cannot get on board with it, think that Kim was turning her back on aspects of her that really do make her her. Those few shots where, you know, they're standing right outside of the water and he throws her in, which we'll get into in 30 seconds because that's how this episode ends. And it's just like the shot of him from the back and you see how tall and broad and strong he is. For like 10 seconds, it makes me forget all that, really. You are so literally the beam that's like, girl, meets the literal devil. Oh, how tall are you? I don't know, 6'2", 6'4", with the horns. It's like, it ooh. Like, that is literally – I have never in my life met somebody who embodies that meme more. It's like literally the devil is Chris Humphreys and you are looking at him. You're like, okay – like, would it be the worst thing in the entire world if you threw me and then didn't care that my $75,000 earring was now missing at the bottom of the ocean and, like, couldn't have cared less about how upset I was about that in the moment because, like, ooh, what is he, like, encroaching on 6'6"? Like, okay, all is forgiven. Okay, no. By the way, listen, do I appreciate height? Yes. Do I appreciate height more than I appreciate diamonds? Absolutely not. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. 
Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. But getting back to what you were saying, that's really how this episode ends, where, you know, they're playing around and he throws her in. Of course, the diamond earring gets lost and the next episode really picks up with the aftermath of all of that. But I am going to tell you, watching this scene now, I felt the exact same way that I felt while watching it at 15 years old, which was absolute shock, stress, anger, feeling as though it was my ears that those earrings fell out of. I, I can't even get into it because of like how frustrated I still feel. Again, this is a conversation we have always, not just about the way that Chris reacted to her, but the way that the entire public thought she was being so ridiculous. Like $75,000 to lose. Imagine if you were somewhere carrying a briefcase of $75,000 and you dumped it in the ocean and you couldn't get it back. Like, I'm sorry, there's... You would be in absolute hysterics. Like, I will never forgive the reaction to that scene. But you know what the craziest thing to me is? Is that whole scene happens. Chris could not have been less sensitive to the point where he is saying to her, like, you know, no, I I can't imagine crying about something like that because I would never own something that would make me that upset to lose. Like, first of all, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. Second of all, he's like so insensitive to the fact that he threw her, that he was so rough with her, whatever it is. A couple of scenes later, which may be in the next episode, not this episode, Kim says to Courtney, how funny was Chris being when he threw me into the water? It's like, oh my God, 10 seconds ago, it was the most traumatic experience of all of our lives. And now it's funny. But that is a prime example of what we were saying earlier, where she was taking these things that were objectively aspects of a person that she not only dislikes, but does not vibe with even remotely, and then turning them consciously or subconsciously into positives. Like her saying that to Courtney wasn't her saying that because she cared if Courtney thought that it was playful. 
she was saying that to convince herself. Like, I, I even felt in every single one of these confessionals when she's like, you know, Chris can be like that, but I love that. She was saying that because she needed to say it out loud so that she could hear it out loud so that she could believe it, so that she could get herself to subscribe to this relationship that she knew was then going to turn into a marriage because that was really where her mind was focused. Chris was really just a, a placeholder. Can you believe that the diamond earring scene aired the day after they got married? No, I actually can't. I, I truly cannot believe it. I cannot believe that this is the part of Kardashians we are in. Like This is the golden era, you guys. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts. I'm so overwhelmed. Which as I'm realizing, I think we just did all of episode 10. And I know we were planning on doing all of episode 11. Episode 11 is like easily an hour. Should we just do that next week? Yeah, because I have an additional hour's worth of stuff to say about Scott and Courtney. I can't make that conversation shorter than it needs to be. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't want to glaze over things just for the purpose of fitting it all into one episode. Like I want to give ourselves the full 20 minutes or however long it's going to take to talk about the scene with Vegas, to talk about some of the things that Chris was saying to Courtney and Scott. I mean, by the way, we haven't even touched on the Rob and Scott aspect of it. Here's the thing. They broke up Bora Bora into three episodes for a reason. And so we shall too, just as God intended. Yes. I also want to say, you remember how on Monday or Tuesday's episode, we were talking about like Chad Michael Murray and Channing Tatum and John Stamos being early sexual awakenings. The fact that we did not mention a 2011 Rob Kardashian is sinful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, that that could be like, like number one. Maybe not number one, yeah. but like it's it's high up there. Yeah. I can't believe that either. I cannot believe it. It's also because it felt, talk about attainability, like at this time, the level of famous that Rob was, you know, felt so much lower than like a Kim. And he really did just feel like, oh, their younger brother who's like going to USC or just graduated USC, you know, like that felt in your, what, I think I was 16, I guess, 16, 17 year old mind. That felt like strangely achievable in a few years. Yeah, especially because he had nothing else going on. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh my God, that was, that's top of the list. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. I cannot, I, I feel like it's running through my bloodstream, just the excitement, the enthusiasm, the everything. This is it. This, this is why we do this. I can't believe that these Bora Bora episodes don't have an Emmy. This is Emmy Award television. I am dead serious. I know you think I'm joking. Like it's an Emmy. No. Name a couple of episodes better than them in Bora Bora. This is peak television. This isn't just peak Kardashians. Like this is, if I were to create a time capsule and only be able to show my kids three episodes to represent what it was like to grow up during this time, I would show them all three episodes of Bora Bora. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. And I think that that would be a perfectly fair pick. Although that's actually a, a kind of a fun game. Like putting together a list of, let's say, the 20 episodes throughout the entire 20 seasons of Kardashians that are essential. Like if you're teaching this, let's say in a college course, what are the 20 episodes that you need to watch in order to gain yourself the most robust understanding of the family? Fun game. Fun fucking game. Or just like the 20 best episodes. But I have to say, I'm like, and again, we're only six seasons in, plus spinoffs, of course, but as of right now, Bora Bora is number one on my list. For yeah, both Bora, lists. Bora Bora is really high for me, at least from what we've seen thus far. <laughs> Can you believe we've got 14 more seasons of this? No, we are the luckiest people on planet Earth. 
get to hang out and talk about this. I'm so excited. Me too. Okay, well, we will end it there for this week. I totally do not anticipate that happening, but I should have because obviously we have a million things to say about that one 22-minute episode. We'll pick up next week with episode 11. I have to imagine we will spend the entire episode on that. And we'll go from there. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.